Hello, and welcome back to the Peerless Review, where we talk about the science behind the shit you care about. My name is Kira. My name is Brina. <laughs> and this week, we're just going to have a nice and uh, academic discussion about a very important topic. A very important topic of <laughs> vibrators. Because mm-hmm. yes. like we mentioned last week, it is May, which means it is National Masturbation Month. And what better thing to talk about during such a month than vibrators? Yeah, there's a lot behind this topic. I think you can get into the history, but also the science behind vibrator technology, which has actually come very far very recently, which I think is very exciting. Yeah, there's been some really big breakthroughs in the last like five years and much better than, you know, wooden whatever that people were using in the 1800s. Definitely. And some of the papers that we saw when researching for this episode were kind of crazy. Do you want to pick what your favorite one was? Yeah. So my one, I just found this hysterical that this got published. It's a really short paper uh, published in a journal that probably doesn't get like a lot of clicks, but the article is called Retain Sex Toys, an Increasing and Possibly Preventable Medical Condition. And it's, I mean, if you don't know, when it talks about retained sex toys, they mean like sex toys or things that have gone up people's asses that they've had to go get surgically removed or like had to go to the ER for in some form of another. And this paper basically broke down how likely it is that you have to go to the hospital, what the outcome was based off of the research that they have. Surprisingly, you know, there's not a ton of research out there about people that get things stuck up their ass. Um, but I just thought it was hysterical that they said it was possibly preventable, just possibly. Mm-hmm. And they talked about like, you know, maybe you shouldn't put a cucumber up your ass. The concept. And it's common enough and dangerous enough for them to put people on blast with a peer-reviewed <laughs> scientific article. Exactly. They said the chance of it happening has increased from 1.4 out of 100,000 people to 2.3 of 100,000 people in the last decade. That was between 2005 and 2016. So it's becoming an increasing problem. Yeah, that's a silent menace. That's very concerning. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't believe there was peer-reviewed research out there on that. My favorite article that I read was called Why Women Have Orgasms, an Evolutionary Analysis. Um, by Written by man, but um, I guess... There were three folks that that were on this paper. So I found it interesting. They were saying basically that, you know, there's no quote unquote advantage to women orgasming, like from a reproductive biological standpoint, unless you want to say like the muscles contracting leads to like greater sperm penetration or whatever. But they basically concluded that it's a byproduct adaptation from men needing to orgasm to copulate. And that conclusion, I guess, just really annoyed me. Yeah, I kind of hate that. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of hate that too. I mean, are we sure about that? It it produces like oxytocin, um, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, obviously like a bonding hormone. So, like, it bonds you to your partner when, like, you like have an orgasm with them. Um, But I don't know, just something about that. I think it's. Uh, interesting. I really like evolutionary analysis of the things. Usually I find it pretty exciting, but this one I was like, I don't know, guys, keep, keep looking. 
Yeah. When was it published? Do you know off the top of your head? This was published in 2012 in the Archives of Sexual Behavior. Yeah, it seems too recent. <laughs> yeah. But regardless, um, the female orgasm is often a political topic uh, historically and definitely something that I think could be talked about more in regards to like male orgasms. I think one fact that comes to like the top of my mind is that if you if you portray like a woman having an orgasm in a movie that's like an automatic rating r rating of r but if it's like a man then it's not seen as like explicit and that's like pg-13 which is just crazy i i learned that fact a few years back and it still doesn't make any sense to me and i know (laughs) like on a similar note they have changed movies ratings because of saying the word vagina Um, or talking about masturbation. So Mean Girls, a movie we all know and love, you know how she talks about, this is so gross, you know how she talks about making out with a hot dog? Yes. Yeah, so that was originally written in as masturbating with a hot dog, but they weren't allowed to, like that wasn't going to fall under PG-13 if they wrote that, so they had to take it out. That makes a lot more sense thinking back on that scene now. Yeah. (laughs) Damn. Well, the the history of like the demonification, I guess, of like the female orgasm goes back like way farther than Mean Girls, crazy as it may seem, Um, because it's, you know, sex is for a lot of Western civilization been like framed as the primary, primary goal for like men. Yeah, Um, it really surprised me how much of the history around vibrators and such revolves around men. I honestly didn't expect that. And part of me wonders if that's like how it actually happened or if that's just how history was written, you know? I feel like there's so many missing pages, like like um, metaphorically from like all of the, the literature that we've been reading because yeah. it's like the real things that were happening in people's houses and people's marriages wasn't getting documented you know it's right yeah especially in times when it was really frowned upon and then of course they wouldn't have any written history of it especially if you could get in trouble for Mm -hmm. having sex outside of marriage or having any sort of toys involved or anything like that right right well a, a history that was documented and we can get into briefly um you know the idea of uh, the sexuality of people with vaginas um so co- commonly women in history like they a common diagnosis that might be made would be like hysteria uh which means wandering womb from latin roots and hysteria comes from the same root as like hysterectomy um but basically it's thought to mean that they thought that there were like demonical forces that were inhabiting your body and causing your literal womb to like move around your body and influence the way you were thinking and acting particularly in single women and elderly single women I mean that's Uh, exactly what happens to me so (laughs) exactly (laughs) I know I can't help but feel so much like camaraderie I'm just like god ladies I'm so sorry that you were born in that time so so this is often thought of like like uh nymphomania if you are super emo or if you like sex or I mean probably also if like you hate sex like if you're if you don't want to have straight sex I would I can imagine you also get like diagnosed with this 
Oh yeah, definitely. And the the prescription from a couple of sources that we found uh, was a hysterical paroxysm. Do you know what a hysterical paroxysm is, Brina? I do not. Is it an orgasm? It is an orgasm, yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> I guess because, yeah, you're just spasming and, and they couldn't conceive of it as being like a female pleasure related thing. So um, using musculoskeletal relaxation devices and a, a common scholar on this topic that I saw cited a lot was Rachel Maines, mm-hmm. who originally hypothesized about the orig- origin of like medical orgasms. And she wrote this book, The Technology of Orgasm in 1999, which actually had a movie based off of it. Oh, really? Do you know what the movie was called? I think it was called Hysteria. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So some, some of our listeners might know about that, but yeah, it's looking into the history of this was really interesting because while it talked about like medical orgasms and stuff like that, there were also articles talking about how that has been debunked, um, occasionally, but honestly reading through both sides of them, neither one of them seemed to have a more compelling point because something Mm -hmm. that someone wrote about was like, well, when you look at these medical books, it was never specifically prescribed, which again goes back to how things are recorded. And I don't know, I feel like there's some nuance there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of the sources that are listed are like uh, a primary source of like the Merck manual, a medical reference book citing like genital massage as treatment for hysteria. And yeah, this just goes back to the, what we were saying. Like, I can imagine some ladies being like, well, I, life is pretty not fun for being a woman already. Like, at least I can go to the doctor and request this. I don't know. Yeah. No. I wish there was some way to know. I know. If only we had like a time traveling machine just to, yeah. just to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in the, in the 20th century, um, you know, you have other famous scholars so like Sigmund Freud had a lot of ideas about women and sex obviously oh I really liked this he thought that (laughs) anyone could be hysterical and that hyper or hyposexuality is really just a result of sexual trauma (laughs) which is incredibly (laughs) incredibly Freud um and I really Mm -hmm. love your comment here (laughs) yeah yeah probably from your dad um maybe from your from either your parents I think sexual trauma is so so common and nobody wants to talk about it everyone just wants to you know I I don't know I don't want to get preachy but I think uh he was onto something even though he was a dirtbag I feel like that's something I say a lot on this show maybe but (laughs) I mean he did prescribe everyone cocaine so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean but he had a few good points here and there (laughs) (laughs) exactly um and yeah, he was onto something. So the, the American Psychiatric Association didn't drop the actual term hysteria, which so many people had been like fixated on until the 1950s, until the 20th century. But, um, you know, like Freud was on to, this sexual dysfunction is probably coming from an outside source, not from like our own 
religious or biological compunctions it's probably because we live in a society we do in fact live in this society we do in fact live in a society and I think also like in present day and probably in the past too but I think a lot more people experience sexual trauma than maybe they think like it doesn't just have to be like a really big event it can just be like certain things throughout your life and then you could be having sex in your 20s and be like oh maybe I just don't like sex which maybe is true but also maybe mm-hmm. you just have like a cumulative experience of probably men being shitty. Yeah. And there's so much, there's so much guilt associated with it. And, yeah. and men, men really do create all their own problems because you can have really good orgasms as a man with a vibrator too, but there's so much homophobia that's ingrained into that. Um, yeah. And maybe, maybe you feel like something's wrong with you if you need to use a toy during sex, but that's not the case. You know, it's we're in the 21st century, baby. Like exactly something I learned about a little bit more, I guess I just never thought about all of the different types of vibrators that exist. And I feel like in researching this, I was like, Oh, there's like at least eight different kinds of vibrators for different purposes. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about what those are? Um, I'll talk about them in a little bit here, but I wanted to finish Mm -hmm. up the history of vibrators first, because I had some questions on what they used to be made out of. Because if you had wood, I'm just going out on a limb here. I don't know if I would want that up my vagina. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. So you're right. Some of the oldest known vibrators that I think have been found at like primary excavation sites are either made of like super smooth like stone or mineral like material um or I think like super polished wood um and yeah that doesn't sound ideal that sounds like a really good way to get like a a UTI or an STI honestly (laughs) yeah or just like an infection from any of that I or a splinter. That, yeah, splinter sounds honestly like the most horrifying of those options. Oh my god. And yeah. I imagine the stone would be pretty heavy. You know, like you gotta have some strong wrists and fingers to hold that up. Yeah, I don't know if that's a bug or a feature, but I'm that just doesn't sound ideal. Yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> I also really loved like along that along that line, uh, the story about Cleopatra's B-powered gourd. yeah I'm devastated to find out that this was debunked um but just the thought the innovation in that Mm -hmm. honestly yes the ingenuity the stick-to-itiveness um so if anybody hasn't heard this it's it's a myth unfortunately but bees buzz you put bees in a closed container like a, a gourd as Cleopatra would do in like the first century BCE and you use that to simulate yourself. And I don't know. Before batteries existed, just use bees. Yeah. <laughs> it, um, it reminds me of that one Cards Against Humanity card that's just bees. Mm-hmm. Is there a question mark? Yes. Ugh. Bees? Classic. I'm going to make a <laughs> Cards Against Humanity card that's like vibrators have been made out of. Mm-hmm. So someone can play bees. I wish. So really vibrators, which is the central topic of this episode, did not really come onto the scene until, of course, like the advances of like modern civilization. Um, and like we touched on, they were mostly in the scope of like medicine primarily um, and in the scope of like male medicine. So, um, you know, one scientist, one physician, um, 
Joseph Granville invented an electric vibrator in 1883. Um, there were others, but basically it was used to treat like pain, headaches, indigestion in men. <laughs> so I so think that's pretty sus. <laughs> I had a question here. Were they made for men? And in if they are being made for men, were men just sticking it up their ass or did they have like reverse toys? So the from the reading, I think it was more that, I mean, there was not a huge distinction between like science and like vibes back then, right? Like not to make a pun pun on the word vibes, but like (laughs) I think it was just seen as therapeutic to apply vibrations to your body. Like that was that was desired. And then of and then of course people would find like, you know, pleasure in like stimulating themselves with it because that's just we're just all primates, you know. Um, but I think it was really like from a general like physical well-being point. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Especially, um, with the hibachi wand, which was created solely as a medical device and like a muscle relaxer. And they were actually, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to button. You did say hibachi, which is where they throw oh food at you in a, <laughs> but we have to leave that in. I'm sorry. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> No, it's okay. It's okay. Anyways, um, they were specifically designed as massage devices and they actually, the company made public statements, especially I believe in the late nineties, it was um, stating that like, this is solely for medical use and is not, was not created for women to pleasure themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. The, the stigma that was against like this, this benefit went on for like over a hundred years. And Hitachi has tried to distance like their brand from like their magic wand, even though they're obviously not going to stop manufacturing it because it's like a famous product. Yeah. Well, I read in the later 2000s, somewhere between 2005 and like 2008, they did take back their 99 statement. Um, Basically they had switched production companies from a production company that technically didn't make sex toys to a production company that was making sex toys that combined with um sex in the city of all shows which made vibrators significantly more popular basically after those episodes came out and they realized that they could really sell it under uh for that purpose they changed their marketing i think that's good uh we're living in the good timeline uh as far as as far as that goes (laughs) yeah Um, because along, I guess, along um, concomitantly, <laughs> we learned that a couple of weeks ago, that word, um, at the word. same time, other, um, other states in the U.S. were, it, like, imparting legislation to ban the use of, like, personal vibration devices. So um, there was the Obscene Device Law in Texas in 1973 prohibiting any device designed or marketed primarily for the stimulation of human genital organs. Um, and then in 1998, Alabama passed a law forbidding the sale of any device designed or marketed for the stimulation of human, human genital organs. So at least two women were arrested for that. And like, it's had a cultural impact on countless others. So sad. I mean, 1998, that's not that long ago. We were alive yeah. for that. And the Texas law is still technically in effect. I mean, it's not being... Um, prosecuted they're not prosecuting Mm -hmm. anyone for that 
as far as I know. But it is still a legal law, which makes, I think, the protest that happened on UT's campus a few years back about gun laws where everyone marched with vibrators and stuff and said, I feel like that makes it an even more impactful. Ooh, that is such, uh, such a good moment to bring up because that's so true. Um, I mean, I live in the South and it drives me nuts how often there's really such a disconnect between like wanting small government, but like wanting to legislate the shit out of all this stuff that's really none of their business. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's just super crazy laws, especially considering (laughs) so recently, 98. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we don't, we leave that in the past, you know? Yeah. That and uh, the sodomy laws. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Another... Another text I found was called Vibrator Nation, which was published in 2017. And that was about the more positive aspects of like the sexual revolution that was happening in like the 70s and on. Um, And basically, you know, when you make everything so like forbidden to talk about, everyone starts wondering like, am I normal? Mm. Is this normal that I need like a, a device to like reach an orgasm with my partner? Like whatever type of sex you're having with whoever, with yourself. Yeah, and the 70s were such a growing time for all of that. I mean, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, everyone was discovering (laughs) a lot of things that had been um, really stigmatized before that. And were stigmatized in the 70s, but at least there was a larger group of people kind of breaking out of that norm. Yeah, I don't think, um, you know, once you realize that you're not actually weird and different and you can speak to your fellow humans about your sexuality, I think that that would promote a lot of healing. Um, definitely yeah definitely well um moving on the other thing that we are going to talk about today outside of the history and stuff is how vibrators work which I was super stoked to actually find information on I wasn't sure if I was going to when we talked about doing this last week um but I actually found a ton so basically vibrators have little motors inside of them similar to like toy cars However, those motors are designed to be balanced, you know, for things like toy cars and all of that. It helps them function because in most toys, you don't want any shake from that motor because that would affect the product. However, in sex toys and vibrators, you do want that shake. That's kind of the whole thing that's going on there. So they hang a weight inside the motor and depending on the type of sex toy and like you know, the amount of vibrations and things like that it has, it differs to how heavy that weight is and like where the weight is placed along the motor. But yeah, so that's, that's like how the vibrator motors work. And that's what creates that like shaking motion back and forth. And then there are a few other things that play into factors with this, which is there are different types of motors. So there's sonic motors and pancake motors. Pancake motors are like weaker vibrations. Um, I don't know why you would want a weaker vibration from your toy but to each their own you know <laughs> I guess I would hypothesize maybe noise because some people live mm. like with families but yeah that's a very yeah. good point and so so then this motor there's a couple things that can happen first of all a f- some of them have coils along them and um or and they will tighten as you press the buttons up and down or if there's like a dial on it it will change that Um, The rabbit vibrator is a very popular and good example of a product that has the wires in it. There's also different size casing around the motors. So obviously most sex toys are waterproof. And so you got to have something so it's not just bouncing around in there. 
And something that changes based off of the type of vibrator is how tight that casing is on the motor. So some of them are really close into the motor. Some of them are farther away, which should make for like bigger vibrations essentially. Um, another thing that impacts how your vibrators work is where the motor is within the toy. So if it's at the very far end versus if it's right next to the head, that changes how the vibrator works. Um, and printed circuit boards are used in more complex vibrators, um, which is I don't know, just kind of cool. Just an, a side note about that, because PBC, PCB boards allow you to have multiple buttons and basically for the whole experience to be smoother. I always joke that like the interval settings with like the intermittent buzzing are like mm -hmm. useless. I don't know, like who <laughs> uses those? Come on. I do. <laughs> all right, well then I take it all back. But there's like, there's the medium and then the high setting. And then I'm like, the rest is just useless. It's just, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, like, because, you know, sometimes vibrators will have, like, 10 different speeds. I'm like, do we really need 10 or do we need, like, three to four? You know, like, what's the difference between mm -hmm. six and seven? Not much. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a bunch of... Let me... Give me a second to think of the word I'm trying to think. What, what word am I trying to think of? Like, uh, I don't know. It's just a bunch of razzle-dazzle, like... <laughs> yeah. So... I think that's that's funny, but it is interesting to know that there's PCBs inside those those types of vibrators. I didn't know that. Right? Isn't that crazy? And mm -hmm. the last thing that like really differs with vibrators is just what they're made out of, which is going to bring me into my next point about how they're regulated. But basically, you can either have plastic vibrators, which are normally made out of ABS or TPR, um, and those are your kind. Those are your, like harder toys that you're probably not like putting in you or they're made of soft rubber like silicone cyber skin jelly rubber or elastomer and jelly rubber isn't really used anymore because there are some it's basically just not the safest material to use mm -hmm. yeah it's like porous yeah yeah which like I was mm -hmm. just saying brings me to my other point about how sex toys are regulated and that is that they aren't so sex toys can be made out of anything. And I've seen a lot of sex educators talk about this. That's why it's important to buy toys that are silicone as opposed to, as opposed to other plastic because it's non-porous and there's no, there's no one telling companies like, hey, you actually can't make sex toys out of this material. So they could sell potentially harmful products to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe don't head right to Adam and Eve. Maybe try to look for like a more indie sex toy shop if you're looking for something yeah Lilo I feel like, ooh nice plug <laughs> Lilo sponsor me <laughs> we are not sponsored by Lilo <laughs> but yeah the article I was reading about sex toys not being FDA regulated um, an interesting point that someone brought up is that if they were that would really allow for big companies to get ahead and could push small companies out of the market because something that happens a lot with FDA regulation in general is that it costs a lot of money. And so big companies like Adam and Eve or KY would be able to, um, oh, would be able to pay the FDA fees and smaller businesses that might have good products would, may not be able to do that. And there was a really great, great quote from this article uh, from this woman who they interviewed. 
And she said, some of the smaller companies make products that people like, but can't afford to go through FDA processing. Some of the bigger companies like KY, CAN, are FDA approved, but they burn people's genitals. So I have mixed feelings on how they would handle sex toys. That was in uh, reference to a conversation about how the FDA does monitor lube, but they do not monitor sex toys. Mm. I just just thought it was funny she just seemed like a fiery person yeah that's she definitely popped off with that I I think there's a lot of things that don't make sense with the FDA but I didn't know that about lube yeah it was fairly new like well the last 15 years that Mm -hmm. they've started doing that Mm. which I suppose is good I mean yeah don't want to be putting just any wet substance (laughs) Oh, definitely not. And don't use like products. So don't use a silicone-based loop with a silicone-based vibrator. This is true. Rookie mistake. Mm-hmm. Very important. Very important. Gotta let the people know. Well, the very last thing that we wanted to talk about today is just cool sex toys, up-and-coming sex toys, things that are happening <laughs> in the realm of sex toys because, mm-hmm. oh, super cool. And as we were talking about at the beginning of this episode, the technology has really improved, especially in the last five years. Yeah, your 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 fingers on the pulse here. Let, let me know what's happened. What are you said? There were eight types. Is that what you said? Oh, of different. Yeah, of different vibrators. Yeah. So there's like ones for people with penises. There's anal ones, and then the ones that go in your vagina. Ones for clits. Ones for out like your labia majora. Um, there are ones that are like made to help like stimulate birth or something is what I was reading. Um, yeah, just a whole, a whole variety of them. And then there are also toys that you can put on either penises or fake ones to make toys shorter and stuff, which I thought was pretty cool because, you know, sometimes they're just too big. Yeah. Yeah, that's another way, sorry, real quickly, that's another way that, like, men are their own worst enemies. Like, who wants, like, a nine-inch penis? For the love of God. I don't even think it would fit. Like, there's just not enough space in there. (laughs) Right, and that's not a personal problem. I think a lot of women feel that way. So, anyway, something to think about. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I read that, like, the average, I mean, so your vagina stretches when you get aroused, but, like, on average, it's only, like, five to six inches deep, so... Mm-hmm. Sorry to men out there with nine inches. Good luck finding that. Out. Yeah. Yeah. You'll find your unicorn, but like <laughs> it's men, you're doing fine. You're doing great. Okay. Anyways, back to, back to not. Back to vibrators. Yeah. Back to vibrators. Um. <laughs> so one of the cool things that I think has happened in the last few years and Lilo, again, not to plug, has been a leader in this, but has been sex toys that have been redesigned for people with disabilities. I don't know if you've seen, have you seen Grace and Frankie? I have not. Okay. It's funny because it they happen to do that in their show. Basically, because they're older, they come up with a sex toy that you don't have to grip because when you're older, you have arthritis, like you can't grip things as well. And so they came yeah. up with this sex toy that basically has like a loop that you can just stick your fingers through. So it just loosely hangs off of it. You don't need to be gripping it. Um, and that's a real product in real life. And that has been just really good for people with disabilities who may not be able to grip things or just generally like have that much motor control or can't do things for long periods of time, things like that. And so that's really cool to see. And it's starting to be 
uh, targeted to those groups as well. That's so great. I'm so glad that exists. Yeah. I wish more people knew about it. Right. Super cool. And yeah, Lilo has been a big leading brand on that one and it's getting more and more popular. Really quick side note of something that just popped into my head. I think one of the worst sex toys that to, to possibly exist, but it's also hysterical, is something called the chin strap, uh, which is basically exactly what it sounds like. It's a dildo that you strap around your face so, so that if you're eating someone out, there will also be penetration going on there. It sounds like a good way to get a concussion. For sure. <laughs> Definitely. Also, it just looks ridiculous. I'll have to, maybe I'll post a picture on our story or something. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> it's really funny looking. <laughs> I would like to talk about, have you or a loved one or someone you know ever owned like a sucking vibrator? Like a sucking sex oh. toy? You know, the closest I've gotten is one of those like, the ones that are supposed to stimulate oral. Like a flicking one, yeah. Like a flicking one, yeah. I love the 21st century. That's, <laughs> I, I, um, I'm interested to learn more about that because that's, I, I don't even know how that technology would work. I don't understand. Yeah, I, it, in my head, it's like similar technology to, you know, those like fans that you had as a kid that are battery powered that just like go in circles. Oh, and then they just use that to like generate like a pressure? That's, I don't know. I don't know how huh. it actually works on that one. Oh, you mean the flicking one? Oh yeah, I do mean the flicking one, sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're talking about the I, sucking one? I'm just still thinking about the sucking one, but regardless. <laughs> do you think it's like, you know, vacuum technology, but like on a minor level? Maybe. Would it be worth going and Googling right now? Sure, let's see. <laughs> Okay, so it is mini vacuum technology. Yeah. Oh, your mind, your mind. I, I don't know what to say. That's amazing. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, technology. I mean, who knew the vacuum would help out with sex toys? Yeah, and they're so pretty too. Like there's one shaped like a flower, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Yeah, I love that it. one on TikTok looked kind of crazy. It looked a, almost painful to me, but you know. I haven't actually tried it, so. I I know I know the the video that you're referencing. Yeah, um, I don't know. I guess there's something out there for everybody. And if you haven't, I mean, I can imagine if you're unable to reach like an orgasm with your partner, that would be a really important thing to have. So. Oh, definitely. definitely. Yeah. Well, the last vibrator that I wanted to talk about is one that is a finalist for a tech award. Wow. Which is- just, I don't know, kind of crazy that I would have never thought to like submit vibrators to a tech show, but they did. (laughs) Basically this vibrator connects to your phone and it tracks your data. And of course it's all encrypted and stuff to prevent hacking. And it will basically track your orgasms and you can track other things like your moods, what you've been eating, how you've been sleeping, things like that. And it will basically tell you how you can have a better orgasm. And Oprah described it as similar to a Fitbit, but for down under, which is incredibly classy. Love that description. I love that Oprah did a, did a spot on this. <laughs> right? That's amazing. Wait, so do you, you have to buy a specific vibrator and then get this, this specific app? Yes. Yeah. I assume that the app comes with, like you get like a, yeah. a code or something when you buy the vibrator. But yeah, and they 
they created this after studying 30,000 orgasms. So they collected research and I'm sure they did research just of themselves to track all this information to create a database that could actually come up with recommendations for you. I think that's pretty fantastic. That I mean, like warms my heart. Yeah, that's the future. <sighs> yeah, so I'm not sure if they were just a finalist or if they still might win, um, but they were nominated for the Consumer Electronics Show's Last Gadget Standing, an, uh, an award that previous winners include Roomba and the Palm Pilot. So pretty cool. And there was a, uh, there was a vibrator that had won in 2017 and CES had taken back their winning of it because they didn't want to be associated with sex toys. But I guess in 2020, 2021, it's changing and, and they're okay with it now. Yeah. The people have spoken. <laughs> I think, I hope they expand their app and put like a leaderboard up there. You know, you can have like <laughs> PVP. Yes. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> best of the month get into the gold league yeah exactly. <laughs> like like do I'm imagining like duolingo I guess but yes that's what I was imagining too <laughs> see we gotta write this down write this down write this down patent it real quick <laughs> uh, uh, well I think that's that's all we have for this week did you have anything else you wanted to add Kara I don't think so. I just encourage everyone to like think about how you can make your sex life better for yourself and your partner and yeah. remove guilt from the equation entirely. There's no use for it, you know? Yeah. Use them by yourself, use them with your partner. Just have orgasms, you guys. <laughs> Hell Especially yes. straight women. I'm praying for y'all. <laughs> yeah, it sounds sounds awful. It's a joke. I'm not coming for anyone, please. Um yeah, well, you know, next week we are actually not going to be releasing an episode because I am going to be on vacation for the first time in forever pandemic long. Um, so I will. Yeah, be I'd, call it a, I'd call it a, next week. I'd call it a bye week, but you're a lesbian, so <laughs> you're, having, you're having a lesbian week. <laughs> uh, but the week after, we'll be back. We'll let you guys know on Instagram what we're planning to do. And until then, uh, Carrie, you want to plug our socials? Yep. Uh, so I am at freckles, et cetera, freckles ETC on Instagram. And Brina is at Brina KA. And we together are at the Peerless Review. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Mm -hmm.